if you do a test in a class, what commonly happens is you go in and you hand it back and someone says what grade they've got or how well they did or what they've got to improve on. And it's a very individualistic thing. And it teaches people to be competitive and it teaches people that they can or can't do things. You know, what about just flip it like this? You go in, you hand back all the papers, you say, hey, listen, as a group, some of us has done, have got really good ability in these areas and some of us need support. What are we going to do? What are we going to do as a class? If you're, if you're considering yourself to be smart, are you smart enough to be able to support someone who needs some help? Now, that just shifts everything. And all of a sudden, people seeing tests as an opportunity to collaborate and support each other and to teach. You know, why do we see teachers as adults who kind of sit with at the front of the room? You know, every kid's a teacher. Every child should be teaching. Welcome to this week's podcast. So this week, we're exploring the topic of community and we've taken a slightly different angle. And I think this is the best intro. Raise your hand if you are listening and you made it through the school system. Keep your hand in the air if you enjoyed it. And keep it in the air again if you felt it encouraged your creativity, inspired your wonder in the world, and you left feeling more awesome than you did before you started. Great interest. Thank brilliant. You. Brilliant. Uh, genuinely, I think most of us can relate to that, that story of when you've been out playing in the yard and you've been having so much fun running around and joy and happiness and exuberance. And then you come back into class and you're told, sit down and turn your page to page 51. And a monotonous voice starts reading. Anyway, uh, this week's podcast is all around education. And uh, I personally have been fascinated with this topic for years, for decades even. Uh, And it's something that I forgot how intrinsically linked it is with community. Um, We've brought on a world expert, someone that has been one of the most fascinating people to listen thus far. It was our friend Sam who put us on. Yeah, really. What an Australian friend. And we got to talk with... um, the wonderful John Stewart. Yeah. In New South Wales. Uh, John's an amazing educator. He got into, he's been in a, a director and principal of schools and in edu- worked in education for the last 30 years. Uh, he did a master's in education in Cambridge and taught there. He, he was a direct director of the Green School in Bali, which is a very kind of progressive and alternative school. Yeah, it was kind, a, of kind of renowned. award winning as the most sustainable school in the world. And it was very alternative. And through that, I guess, John decided to start his own school. Uh, in his hometown and actually in the school, in the, in the building that he was born in. It's called Lismore Living School. And just talking to John, it was so inspiring. So it cultivated that sense of wonder, which you hope school is. And I thought it was interesting. Anyway. Well, well I, I find it fascinating. I'm gonna, we're going to get to the chase now shortly. But uh, I find it fascinating that he talked about like school and education is at the root of the future. It's the future leaders. And if we don't give enough Jews to cultivating the type of people we want to, the, the values we want to, have in the future, education is really at the root. And of just it. to the context, we're not pulling apart the current people involved in the current education system. Everyone is trying their best. However, we have we talked to John about a, a possible, uh, you know, progression, progression to, that will inspire our children. Because I definitely feel a bit concerned when my kids are, you know, starting secondary school, and I just feel a bit nervous. And as a parent, I wonder, am I mm-hmm. nourishing their creativity and their kind of sense of self and that sense of we. Anyway, this is an amazing conversation, genuinely. This is right up the top of the conversation. We say that every week, but this one was really, really good. Um, I loved it. I loved it. I like John Stewart. I think he's fabulous. Uh, this is part of our community series, which we've done a number of episodes in this one here, including Dan Butner and Bruce Parry and Helena Norberg-Hodge. And Rob Hopkins, one yeah. of my heroes. Yeah. So uh, buckle up, education, this it, is it, might, it might sound like a topic you're going to go, oh, I hate it, school, I'm not into education. This is a great conversation. It kind of resonates with everyone because yeah. everyone's been through this system. Stick with it. It's and, inspiring. He's fabulous. And John is kind of like Robin Williams at a Dead Poet Society, if you ever watched that movie. He's a charismatic, inspiring nuggets of wisdom in every Gorgeous sentence. Man. So, uh, yeah, really enjoy and let us know on social media what you think. Thanks a million. Cheers. I, I remember reading that you'd said that uh, before, ba- before the Green School in Bali that you had the blueprint in your head. You already had your ideas kind of baked and the Green School in Bali kind of, in a sense, had some, some, some aspects they were applying, but there was a lot which you kind of still had in your head. Like, so it sounds like these concepts of how to progress schools. Can, can you talk about that? Yeah, so I guess first of all, um, well, I wrote a book which was Thriving at School and so it was co-authored by a clinical psychologist and that got me thinking a little bit more about education and schooling but prior to that I was overseas I was, I was doing my master's in Cambridge and I was working on 
a multimedia uh, interactive uh, textbook with video and everything else being plugged in. So I was thinking I was going to revolutionize learning. Um, but then I kind of, you go down a rabbit hole that way because you still need the relationship of a person guiding and leading. So, so then I was, I was looking at schools. I came back to Australia from overseas and, you know, Cambridge, you'd think it's a pretty traditional place, but it, it was the school I was in was, it was you know, 600 years old, but it had some really interesting ideas of student-centred learning. And I came back to Australia and I found, you know, there were schools here that had kids having to put on blazers and it was like 43 degrees Celsius heat and, and they had to go home and I'm just going, what is going on? And, and it's a little bit like uh, there's 10 years or even 50 years lag in some of the schooling. So I was looking at it from the perspective of how do you engage kids in schools? How, how do you create schools that are actually for children, not for adults trying to tell children what to do? And, and, and what are we trying to do in the future to, to create successful people and then kind of what's the whole purpose of school and when you start to unpack you know the definition of what is school for that leads your mind on a a myriad of pursuits and and you start looking deeply into education and that's and that's where I went. Jeez, I love that. You went nice and philosophical with it. Funny though that... Yeah, that yeah, you, I went quick. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a good summary. Can I say that? Because I remember you quoting saying that like there's lots of research out there showing that 50% of kids are not engaged in school, that they don't actually yeah. like school. And like, as you said, it's, it's the, the current system. Now there's some wonderful bits and some less or good bits. As you said, it's set up more for the parents to kind of, or the adults to impart what they think the kid needs rather than bringing it about forced from the kid or whatever. Yeah, no, it kind of leads into it because, you know, first thing you've got to do is have a school that's engaging. You know, if you've got 50% of people have disengaged, you've got to start to think that it's not the kids. <laughs> it's not the learners. It's actually something that's happening. And we've always tried to apply it to the teacher. You know, it's the teacher's needs. The teacher's got to do this. And, and people haven't said, hang on, it's the school. It's the system needs to be reworked and rechecked. And if I've got 50% of something that's not working, then, you know, I've got a, a, an imperative to change that and fix that. And, and it's not just Australia, it's global. that Those same statistics come out of, you know, America, come out of England, come out of Australia. So, you know, this takes us back to what's the definition of school. The definition of school isn't about getting a career getting the best mark you can to matriculate and get into a university or a pathway that you're going to make heaps of money. You know, that's, that's a bit selfish and it's a bit naive. You know, the, the first thing is the schools are meant to improve community. And how do we bring a community into the school? Because there's this other side of it, which is really interesting, that, that you know, communities have kind of dispersed. We, we, we get communities in cafes. We get communities at sporting events. Uh, we used to have them in churches and some people kind of, you know, prosperity preaching still do, but where do, you, where do you have all these different views streaming in to be connected? And it's a school. So let's celebrate that and let's look at the humanism, the pluralism, the diversity that can come from an educational system that's actually co-learning. Right, that's amazing. You mentioned the importance, like the link between school and community, because it's something that like we're, we're doing a whole series on community now. And I never you know, I never thought of a school as something so central and paramount of a community. And I, like, I always wondered why, you know, my, my, I have three kids and I always, we wanted to pick a school literally at the end of the road so we could walk to school. And I don't know why I always felt it so important because you get to have those little chats just and you felt more closer. It was like in your doorstep. I, I wonder if you could talk about the relationship between, between community and school because it's something that's often forgotten or not seen. Can, can I add to that? Because I remember reading, as I was telling you, we were reading lots of stuff this morning um, of, of the incredible work which you've done. And like, you know, most people's paradigm in terms of school is we limit it to the, you know, the building and the grounds and that's the school. But you've kind of like when I was reading some of your stuff this morning, you were talking about that, you know, school is really it's not limited by the building. And you want to break down these barriers and engage the students with the community and the wisdom and the knowledge and the. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the focus on, on schooling is about educating kids broadly, deeply, holistically. And so, so a lot of schools, you know, 
I've been in the UK, taught in the UK, I've taught Bali, I've taught overseas, and, and a lot of schools build themselves around a campus. So then, then they have strange danger issues, so they, they put a fence up. And then they, they want to make sure there's a quality educational offering, so they have these teachers who are accredited and they have to be professionally um, developed sitting inside this school, which is actually, the school is actually, you know, if you mirror a school and a jail, and I do this as a slide, people can't see the difference. Because, you know, we put them in little cells and we say, this is the most important thing you're going to learn because I'm telling you, and then you move out and you move to the next cell and you've got someone else telling you something else, okay? That's, that's the model of school. So what, what, if, what if school was actually the heart of the community? So what if there was a lot of skill sets and knowledge that teachers didn't have and you could actually access those? What about public spaces that we used to take for granted that children would, would, would go and frequent a public library or they'd frequent community gardens? But now we know that a lot of them are not teenagers, they're screenagers. You know, they're sitting down and they're all accessing each other via the social media and the virtual. So, so you know, we've got a public library here in the town, so why would I build a library in my school? You know, why, why would I, why would I um, build um, areas of, of, say, a drama theatre when I've got the, the performing arts around the, the corner? You know, why, why would I make a dance studio when I've got a dance studio just around the corner? And, and by doing, by accessing public spaces and, and bringing children to those public spaces, as you were saying, they walk. And I learned this from London where we used to walk the kids. And as you walk, they talk. And so walking to spaces is really, really important because most kids now just get in a car, get driven, dropped off, get picked up, driven, dropped off. They don't actually have that process of just walking on a pavement. So you can see it's a bigger, bigger understanding of, of returning to some of the social values that we, we grew up with or that our parents grew up with and accessing local areas and local people and, and knowing more about the local field, um, you know, the rivers, the, the indigenous peoples of Australia, uh, you know, we stole their language. We stopped them from talking that language and speaking, but that language has a connection with the very spaces and places. And, and by teaching them and by, by taking children to these areas, you, you build up this thing called reverence. And, and, you know, empathy, there's a whole focus on empathy and how we've got to trust and love each other, but it comes back to being in awe of space and place and people. Because if you can be in awe of space and place and people, you have reverence, you have modesty. And I think the world needs a lot more modesty and a lot less selfishness. That's what community is. So, so I, I'm, I'm growing a school where, you know, it, it is not about the building. It's about getting kids out. We've got buses. I, you know, I needed a new school, a new classroom because we're, we're growing in our numbers. So most people would say, let's build a classroom or let's put on a demountable, you know, these, these quick fix little classrooms. And I said, let's get a houseboat. <laughs> so, so, so I bought a houseboat. And so the houseboat is a classroom. And so the kids go down onto the boat and they sail up and down the river and they're learning on the river. They're learning so much stuff and they're being accessing points that, that, are, that no one else would access. So you can wow, see how it's that, just about tweaking. That is, that is brilliant. That sounds fun. Yeah, well, that's it. It's all about fun. So, we, you know, we take the kids down on, on buses to spaces and places, you know, where they, they have mud pits and where they're, they're building things. They, they, this term, um, they built utopia um, in, a, in a forest where they had scoured all this bamboo that the parents cut down. So the parents went, we had a Saturday where the parents harvested bamboo. We lay it in piles and the kids then took it off with like little beavers and built their, their structures. You know, and doing that is, is so important in learning and connecting. You know, that's, this is the thing. It's not about learning, knowing the, 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 the conceptual understanding is the only thing, you know. It's not about rote memory. It's about actually being, feeling, connecting. And, and that's, that's a critical piece of what we're trying to do in living school. And we, and we want to have fun. We just want to do things. You know, I said to the parents, I was singing Wild Thing uh, to finish off the term. And um, I said, I just want to have fun. I love that because like I, I look at my son Ned, Ned's four and Ned loves going to school, loves it because he just plays with stuff. It's Montessori, it's very, 
he does what he wants and I'm kind of frightened with the idea that next he starts you know it's a lovely school and all that but he has to wear a uniform and he'll have to sit down and it'll be a whole other kind of thing and part of me feels as a parent like am I quelling his sense of like I, I heard earlier that you kind of a school should be a place of wonder and this type of thing yeah. and you're like wow we get to do yeah. this and we get to like where it really evokes this curiosity and this innate fascination and reverence as you kind of mentioned this this sense of awe in this magicness of life yeah and it's interesting you should say that too because you know we've got an old train so uh, i just i wanted a train of thought so i went and i found an old railway carriage and we just you know craned it in we put it on these big pieces so it sits up in the sky and the little kids can climb on nets underneath it and and we've got a classroom i'm sitting in it right now you know in this train so so by doing that it's connection with the past you know, a new school and everybody would probably go and buy new furniture. And we went and we just, we built our tables. We actually went and we, you know, we went and scoured secondhand places. So the furniture you see here is not brand new. It's all about being old and, and, and secondhand because there's a story, there's a narrative that goes with that. So, you know, the whole fundamental piece of this is about connections is, a, is about allowing things to feel at ease and at home. If you go into this brand new place with brand new carpet, with brand new buildings, with brand new stuff, you feel as if you're in this kind of, you know, an airport waiting lounge. So, you know, put an old sofa in there, put old chairs, put things that look nicked and, and a little bit creased and, and kids feel at ease. It's, and so that's one thing we're finding with this school is, um, there's so much anxiety, school anxiety. And we've got kids who come here and you just see they, they relax, you know, because it's not about trying to be things. It's not about having a uniform where you've got to match everybody else. It's just be yourself. Be yourself. Do you well. You know, I think we've forgotten that it's not about trying to be someone that's, that's exhausting. Just be you and do you as well as you can. Amazing. That's Amazing. a lovely lesson. I, I, like I watched the tour of Lismore Living School yeah. and, and it looks like, it looks more like, and, and this, this is the, for anyone listening, this is John's yeah. school, which, he, which I, can't, I can't remember how long you've had it, but looking at it, it looked like a super cool hostel or a student's union. Like it looked more like, <laughs> like an imaginarium rather than a school. Like it was like, oh, like, do you just do school on those couches? Like that looks cool. <laughs> like it really did. Like there was loads of colorful, like, places of wonder as you said which was even to watch well, it it looked beautiful and, and that that you know and all of it makes sense in that it's adaptive but it's actually my house it's where i grew up so i've created the school where i was born and so you know everyone goes wow so there's really good bones in the place because you know my, my sister's bedroom's a classroom a class learning space you know <laughs> you know and, and and in so saying that it is a place of wonder and there's Dr. Spock used to be a clinical psychologist back in the 50s or the 60s, and it was about positive parenting and all that sort of stuff. But his son um, wanted to create museums for children in the States. And he said, it's a bit like the Pompadon. Kids have got to see how things are built, constructed. So, you know, the builders there going, what are we going to clad with that with? I said, nothing. I said, let's, let's, let's show all the wiring. Let's show how things are. Let's so half the building, you walk in, you can see where the, the rafters are, the beams are, you can see the exposed cabling, you can see the lights hanging down. And then the other half is where it's all, you know, the ceiling's in place and everything's properly done. And, and, and it's intentional because we want the kids to look up because, you know, strangely, when you look up, you wonder. If I'm asking you to wonder about something, you, you know, you're looking up. So getting kids to physically just look up, it has a, it has a mental shift. Just that simple little thing, you know, and there's so many other things like putting, putting um, learning puzzles and jokes and ideas and survival stuff behind the loo doors. So when kids are above the urinal, you know, it's a great place. You're going to have, an, have the attention. So every week we slip in something else and so kids are continually going to the urinal and they're going to be learning something. And, and yeah, these are just key little pieces. We want challenge. We want kids to, to have challenges. So, you know, we did the Wim Hof ice bath challenge where they had to have an ice bath challenge and they got blindfolded. Then they got in this big old bus we are with canoes and we took them to a place. They didn't know where they're going. They had to get out of the canoes, 
pulled it over barbed wire fences. They had to paddle down this creek. And then, you know, to get back to the town and halfway there, they come around the corner and that's the houseboat. And all of a sudden they're camping on the houseboat for the night. And so, you know, and then the next day they've got to keep paddling the canoes down the town. So, yeah, it's just doing things that are going to make kids engaged, flip their minds from this, I've got to take stuff in to where oh, I'm actually being part of something. I'm, I'm curious, I'm creative. And, and now I'm starting to work it out that I've got things where I can have an interest become a passion. And if, if I can get a kid's interest to become a passion, I don't have to do anything else. You know, they're going to do it. And this, this is like one of the, the most important things I did was just put an old piano, a secondhand piano, under the stairs. And I've got now four pianos under different stairs and I've got kids playing them. I've got a kid who could not play a musical instrument before he came here. And now, honestly, he's learning off YouTube. Um, he's, he's spending five to six hours a day on it and he's like a concert pianist. You know, it's nuts. And all of a sudden you hear he does it and then someone else wants to be like it and then someone else wants to be like it. And everywhere you walk, you're hearing pianos. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's cool. So it's almost like kind of encouraging more self-direction, people to explore and find out more about their own unique skills and really try to nurture that and to take it from an interest to a passion and to yeah, create an so environment that nurtures that almost. Because the environment, like when you describe it, it sounds more like a club than it does a school yeah. like because the traditional model of schooling I, that word discipline comes to mind whereas what you're talking about sounds like a summer project where it's like we're going to like it just I can't wait to go to school mom can i go to school oh no we got <laughs> oh, holidays school's off yeah like, but it's we redefining do. We, that do. Word we have school. kids we have kids in holiday so i want to go back to school like it is look it is it is it is like that and it, but it's also the teachers have to understand that too you know we We've, we've grown our employment. We've got new teachers come in. And, you know, some of the teachers have to understand that this is a school that's co-learning. You know, Sagar Trimitri is this guy who gave me the idea about the piano. He, he was in India and he, he had uh, a computer put in the wall of this village house. And these Indian um, children, from they would come around and all of a sudden they saw this thing stick in the wall. And he watched and researched it. And the children actually taught themselves how to use a computer and how to really use a computer and so it, what his whole theory that came from that is you know sometimes teachers actually impede learning they, they get in the way of learning they don't actually increase it they, they they stifle it and they there's this whole focus on on you know what are we going to learn today so learning intentions and you have to put them on the board so we know where we're going it's so controlled by a teacher whereas the best lessons you go in and allow it to navigate through different pathways and, and children have got the most creative minds and, and we don't need to continually think in the modern age that we have to tell them the information that we know because, you know, a teacher kind of says, okay, I've got this information. If I'm going to ask a question and if you can tell me what I'm thinking, you're smart. And, and if you're not going to pay attention, then you're a disruption and, you know, come and sit at your desk, um, you know, pay attention. You're going to have to stay in. That's nuts. That's crazy. So how do we get kids to take respect and, and responsibility for their learning? I had children when they came to the school and I'd say, okay, then, you know, what do you want to learn? And they go, I don't know. And you go, what do you mean you don't know? And I was saying this to Parsi Salberg, who's a Finnish researcher internationally known. And he said, well, maybe your question's wrong. Maybe you've got to ask them, what do they want to do? So I went back and I said, what do you want to do? And we got a little bit better, but a lot of kids say, a lot of the older kids, because we go up a bit and we've opened up to older children, they go, I don't know. And you go, what's your interest? I say, I've got no interest. Now, these are kids who have been at different schools and have spent probably eight, nine years in a different school, in a schooling system, and when they come to us, they're saying that? You know, that's an indictment. That's 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 we should throw the whole system over if that's what we're producing with 50% of our population. Well, so it's really about kind of cultivating that innate kind of curiosity within the child and how to get them to understand what they're passionate about and what their interests are, because if they're more engaged, you know, with themselves, they're much more likely to be that going forward and be less, as you said, just someone looking for a job. 
Yeah, yeah. Like it, you know, there's a, a all my stuff is just it's it's not me. It's it's me threading ideas from different places. So it's about progressive learning. I'm not an alternate learning system. You know, you mentioned Montessori. Montessori was created in 1909. The other alternate system is uh, Steiner. That was 1919, and that was for a cigarette factories work children the workers of the cigarette factory. That's where you know the Waldorf system came from. And since then, what have we had? We might have had A.S. Neil Summerhill in England, uh, which kind of led to democratic education, schooling. But we really haven't had anything that shifts the system. You know, in forest schools, well, they're just in an environment. But, you know, what are we actually doing to progress it, to go forward? And, and so the school that I, I'm looking at, there are three elements to the day, which is integrated learning, where we're trying to bring subjects together so they get a big understanding. And, and our term times are only six weeks long. For teachers and children, it's the best thing you can do. You don't have that lag, that burnout, that tiredness, teachers getting grumpy. And you're continually having to regenerate, yeah? And so each six weeks has a keystone theme. So I want my children as they go through from kindergarten right up to year 13 to develop a big understanding around six key things. That's identity. Who are you? You know, what's your place? What's your space? What's your belonging? Where, where are your inherent biases? Um, what's your gender? What's your sexuality? Uh, understand it, you know. Um, nature. What is nature? You know, what's my responsibility? Am I a custodian or am I a member of? How do I care for and how do I treat nature with the respect so that my great, great, great grandchildren get to have the same qualities that I have? Um, the last one we just finished is term three, and that's life and living, and that's philosophical. You know, what is life, what is living? Um, next term is civilization. And so we go right into the whole understanding of civilization. And then we go into phenomena, you know, things that we just take for granted, but we don't actually know, like gravity, love, sleep, um, you know, these, these are things. And then the last one is service. I want children to understand their responsibility to serve, to give, because giving actually makes you a better, happier, more content person. So, so the way it works is kindergarten have a question, and then year one have a question that they explore, year two, year three, all the way through. So as they go through the school, they come back to term one, identity is repeated, but it's in a more abstract, deeper, complex theory. And so you will go through the whole process slowly getting a bigger understanding. So does that make sense? So, so you integrate that learning. And then the middle frame is about the concepts, the disciplines, you know. There is learning. There's real learning that, that's been passed down from generations. You know, Pythagoras' theorem, were, were, it wasn't just in the Greek um, uh, you know, school of Pythagoras that, that that actually eventuated. That came from different places around the world at the same time. So understanding you know, fractions, kilometres per hour, miles per hour, you know, understanding per is divide. Understanding alphabet is alpha, beta, the first two letters of the Greek alphabet, you know. Understanding these, these disciplines, and so you can stand on the shoulders of giants. That's all that Newton did. And then, then the afternoon session's about, hey, put it into context. Can I take a mathematical theory such as Pythagoras' theorem and can I actually use it in real world? Because how many times is that going, you know, I learned, when am I ever going to need this? So actually trying to plug that into hands-on, project-based, creative stuff that's personal. So there's lots of different pathways. And so you'll see the kids um, in lots of different areas doing lots of different activities but all with the same bent around understanding what it means to collaborate, what it means to inquire, what it means to question, what it means to investigate, discover. That's, that's what the school structure is. Jesus, I, I want to go to your school. Sounds brilliant. <laughs> I, I really do. Like it sounds, um, those questions, like we just did English and maths and Irish and... But your they one sounds grand. a lot more uh, like I've uh, I read Su Summerhill Farm, isn't that what no, it's called? Summerhill. It wasn't Summerhill Farm. It was Summerhill. Yeah, I remember reading that yeah. years ago and it, I remember it really ignited something in me like this kind of, you know, maybe it was realization that the education system that we went through could have been so much better. And reading that yeah. where it was a lot more self-direct and a lot more democratic, it was like, wow, we can build a whole much better system that will create 
hopefully better humans. And what you're doing sounds fascinating, highly engaging. And it's like, I, I've often joked to my daughter, not joked, it's, it, the jokes are becoming more and more serious, that I'd love to set up a school. Uh, and she's 10 now. And I said, by the time you're 12, I hope to have a school. And it's starting to become more and more serious. And I feel like, okay, right, here we go. And it sounds like everything yeah, you're yeah, doing sounds phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you, know, you put it out there and you can't go back, you know. Like, it's not, a, it's, you know, it's a full-on commitment. It's not like, oh, I'm going to do a school for a couple of years. It's, it's yeah. you know, you're in, boots and all. And, and that's what we're doing, you know. This, this school that I've been, yeah, considering for a long time and all of a sudden, you know, I just said, well, I'm going to do it. And, and then how's and it the, like- focus, the focus is so rewarding, but it's so challenging. Oh, it sounds phenomenal. Could you, could you bring it back up a tiny bit? Like, because I know, like, Lismore Living School, yeah. how long has it been going? Because, like, obviously, as you said, you've been contemplating it for decades and you've, and you've yeah. been, to, like, you, you were the director of the Green School in Bali, which yeah. is a, an extremely alternative and a very kind yeah. of well-recognized school. And yeah. could you talk through, like, what, what made you start up Lismore Living School? Like, some of the concepts in it are... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, kind of, you can put it out there enough, you can't go back on your word, can you? <laughs> so so I, left, I left Bali to come back and I could see that Byron Bay, this area, is, is a great place to educate kids. And actually, I was educated here. So, so I wanted to bring back and give back. That's part of it. Um, it. The school's only been open a year and a half. And in that time, you know, the, the process, it took three years to get through the bureaucracy to be able to establish it because you have to get government approval to be accredited and registered. So, you know, I'm an educator, I run schools. I've, I've, I've been a professional, you know, manager, director of studies in Cambridge, of head of schools and directors of schools. So, so I, I know what I'm doing. That's the first thing. But, you know, I didn't know if anyone would come. You know, I just had this idea as to what I wanted to do. And I started at 45 children. And then all of a sudden um, we were opening, and that was in December, and we were opening in January. And I thought, wow, 45 kids, that's amazing. And then we opened with 78. And I was going, wow, we've got 78 children. So then I had all these teachers I had to employ in the process. So I got these amazing teachers. Uh, can you imagine teachers just said, yeah, let's do this. So they jumped in, and, and then um, by the end of the year, we got to 99. Uh, you know, some kids left, some kids stayed. It's not for everybody, and it, it, you shouldn't be, or else you're trying to. You're not sticking true to your cause. And then, um, and then the interest started going. And so we started taking on the enrolments and we grew to 180 um, this year. So we opened with another 180 kids. And so then I'm trying to find where am I going to put them all? <laughs> Get a houseboat. More yeah, houseboats. <laughs> Get a bus. And we use the university. Like we go up and we use the university. So we've got, we've got children. I, I, you know, I teach. I love teaching. So, I, you know, we've got children who are, in a lecture theatre, um, you know, aged 12, 11, 12, and they have a lesson with me in the lecture theatre up at the university around writing. And then we've got kids up there who are learning, you know, on a campus. Because here's the other thing, you know, which is nuts. We have this kind of secondary school, high school system, and we prepare some of them for the tertiary strand where they'll go into university. And we never teach them what... How, how are they going to learn in university? They go there all of a sudden, they've got to sit in a lecture theatre. They've got to have tuition, tutorial groups. They've got to be self-directed learners. And they go, oh, hang on. You know, all I had to do back in high school was know how to memorise certain quotes of Shakespeare so I'd get a good result in my essay. You know, this is, this is the nuts. This is crazy. It's, it's, it's global. So, you know, the other side of it is we've got this artisan program. We've got all these creative artisans in this area. It's phenomenal. How do we get them into the school? Because right now, as I said, the accredited professional teacher means that these people can't unless they're supervised by a teacher. So, you know, I've had a lawyer teaching human rights, universal rights. I've had a photographer teaching in the dark room we set up. I've, I've had um, biologists. I've had gardeners, you know, all these creative people who can come in and actually work with the kids. And then you've got to think, well, hang on. Why does a school have to employ the same teacher for all year, all the time? Like there's base teachers who need to be there, but then we should get six weeks of a person coming in and giving this really cool course and they're engaged and it's what they want to teach and then another six weeks someone else. So you break this 
this tyranny where your child going to only be educated as well if they're sitting in a class with an exceptional teacher out of the pool of teachers they've been able to employ at that school at the time when that teacher's really engaged on fire at the time when they're not in their career where it's kind of i'm waiting for the last few years to get out of here do you know what i mean this is the reality so so it's such a, a gambit a lottery to actually get an exceptional teacher and and so we have to see it we should, we have to find ways of mentoring linking networking you know there, there's so much more that schools can do but schools are very blinkered and they like just being standard and normal it's like uh, i don't know you know whether it's the same there but school excursions because of the risk so there's all this paperwork so and it costs so all of a sudden schools say you've got two excursions a year <laughs> You know, we have two excursions a day. <laughs> we, we, we've got our own bus fleet, you know. We just get kids out, get them out. You know, it's not about trying to fill them in with all the knowledge inside this campus. It's about get them out to experience things. So, you know, the, the kids are camping. They're, they're challenged. They, they're going on bushwalks. They're going down to the, the, the local tip recycling centre. They're, they're learning things, you know. It's... It's about bringing life into education. And it goes back to that one comment, you know, is learning life worthy? And if every teacher can just put that above their desk or above the board and they might stop and just say, hang on, you know, I'm, I'm just sucking time and life out of a child. Maybe, maybe I should shape this to be a more engaging, interesting experience. And, and instead of being a transmission device you know start to be a learning experience and, and it, it's it's really simple and it's not difficult it's not rocket science it's just a mind shift i think it's beautiful has there been much of a kickback because like i know the, the school isn't alternative it's progressive but say for the for the it's kind of different to a lot of the established education facilities or systems has there been much negative kickback criticism kind of challenges coming to you because the nature, even with us starting a business and trying to do something different, initially you're, people don't know what to make. You can get all sorts of, you know, possible questioning comments like from, and you said it took three years to bureaucratically get through all the paperwork. How was Could you talk about that bit? Because it sounds like what you're doing is phenomenal. I want a school like that. I think it's amazing. I want to go just get back to school. But, but can you talk about the hardship and the challenges just to paint the other side of it? Yeah, look at you know to be real, um, you know staffing, getting the right teachers. You know I don't I don't put out big interviews. Uh, I just I just have a coffee with a with a teacher and they they apply to us. So but you know some of the challenges you get teachers who have the ideal of what they want. They come here and they realise that it's not like they've been taught. So we lose a couple of teachers here and there. Um, but the majority of all the teachers who started last year are still with us. So there's that challenge. Um, some of the children, you know, some of the children don't grow in the sense of what we're offering um, because they want something a little bit more structured and, and the parents want something a little bit more structured. So, you know, we've, had, we've lost some students as a result of that, which is fine. That You know, we're not trying to, to say we're everything, but there's that. Um, the, the majority of people actually really love us. Um, the, the biggest challenge is, is just seeding all this together, making sure you're meeting the requirements of the bureaucracy because we still are accredited and registered. Um, but in so saying that, anyone who, who has the nous and, has, and the experience can shape it because it's, about, it's not about trying to break a system. It's, it's like Aikido, you know, the martial arts. If you try to put up a wall and you try and block it, then you're actually forcing against force. What we do is we try to shape it, we try to flow it. So we take an idea and we actually try to shift it and move it with us. And, you know, that's why we have the concept frame. The concept frame is to show there's an academic rigour in what we do. It's not just having fun. There's still good, solid underpinning of research-based learning. And so that's an area where we, we are growing. The other side is that... Um, you know, the council approvals, like it, over in this country, to get a building, to get a school, you have to have 
um, a DA, an approved site, to be a school. And, and there aren't that many. That's one of the biggest pitfalls. So I had to make my house approved by the council to be a school. And then all of a sudden you got building codes. So all of a sudden, you know, we had a handrail, which was perfectly good handrail, but it had to be two heights and it had to be a certain width and it had to be uh, so far out from the edge of the step. So, so the regulations are pretty crazy when it comes into the building codes. Um, the other element probably is I thought we'd have the biggest kickback on our six-week terms because, you know, other schools are having holidays uh, or they're at school where we're having holidays, you know. So if you've got a child at our school and you've got a child in another school system, the mainstream system, you won't always have the same holiday breaks, do you see? So, so I thought that would be an issue. But actually the parents love and the kids love and the teachers love a six-week learning block. and. The parents say, look, it's great. I get cheaper holidays. <laughs> um, the, the teachers say, I don't, I don't burn out. <laughs> and is it, John, um, is, it, is, it six, is it six weeks and then two weeks off or six? Like, does it go on six all weeks, year round? Week, like- six, yeah, so, so we structure it around, you know, the school's structured. You've got to have structure. People still need to know there are structures because you feel comfortable in structures. So, so we have a semester. A semester is seven weeks of a term a week off, six weeks, a week off, seven weeks, two weeks off. So let me explain. The first term, that first week, is actually challenge week. And we've got this way of holistically seeing the child as an emotional intelligence, intellectual intelligence, physical, and XQ, expressive. So we want to challenge them and assess them in the sense of knowing where they are in uh, a week of activities, you can have tests because that's an intellectual challenge. You can take them on um, bushwalks because that's a physical challenge. You can get them up to sing a song or perform a poem or something because that's an expressive challenge. Uh, you can take leadership things because that's an emotional, social challenge, you see. So once you get that understanding, then we get into the six-week terms and then you get a week off, six weeks, week off. Then you get seven weeks because the last week is actually it's reporting, celebrating, it's revising, reviewing what you've done. So it's like a big sandwich. And then we repeat those again. But, you know, the crazy thing you hear is you've got these uh, school zones where flashing lights, 40 kilometres. So when school's starting and finishing, these flashing lights are there so cars slow down. Anyway, we're, we're, we're here and everybody else is on holidays because our term times aren't the same and these flashing lights have stopped. And all of a sudden, we're on holiday, the flashing lights are going. So I rang up the government. I said, look, you know, your flashing lights are on. They said, yeah. I said, but we're at school. They said, you can't be. I said, well, we are. <laughs> they said, well, there's nothing we can do about it. I go, what? And this is the, yeah, this is the problem. We've got a standardized system that says everybody's doing the same thing. When uh, I want to innovate and I want to be different and I want to, I want to progress. And all of a sudden, you've got to, uh, this system that just locks you in. So, you know, that's another challenge. But predominantly, the, the challenges, um, I've had to scratch myself, really, because the, the rewards have been so much greater than the challenges. And it really is. We've got a system where the parents are, on the whole, happy um, with the kids that love it and feel at ease. And the teachers, uh, get this sense that they're they're really doing something different and they've got control, ownership, you know, respect to, to be untethered and to teach things they want to teach and how they want to teach. That's that's the beauty of the system. You know, if you can if you can trust teachers to to love their teaching, that's the job done. Because the kids are going to love the the teaching and they're going to love the relationship that's established there. So, you know, it's not groundbreaking stuff. It's just, you know, doing it. Well, relative to the current system, it sounds extremely groundbreaking. (laughs) So so I definitely challenge that in you. But uh, have you found there's been much uptake from other schools like Curiosity? Because like what you're doing really is super progressive. When I think of the schools that we went to and our kids go to really lovely schools, like local schools that they walk to and the teachers and the, you know, the teachers and the principals are brilliant and they really care so much. 
it's just a very different system to what you're doing. Like your system sounds just incredible. Yeah, well, look, I, 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 first thing is, I think all schools really do their best. Teachers do their best. Governments try to do their best. You know, nobody says we go into something to stuff it up. I, I want to make that. I'm not, I'm not a rebellious person. I'm just someone who's got ideas. And as I said, I try and make them flow and I find lateral pathways. Um, so, so, you know, other schools are doing great stuff and, and schools are saying, well, we're doing this great stuff. They are. But the reality is, you know, it's really hard to check the tyres on a bus when it's moving. And I tell you, schools are juggernauts. They've been on their pathway. They've been going for so long. I've taught in really traditional schools. And, and to do anything, it's, you know, tradition. You're breaching tradition or, or we don't do it like that. Or, you know, we need the principle to be the, the, the pillock of society, you know. <laughs> All of a sudden you've got to shape yourself around this expectation of who I'm meant to be as a principal, as a headmaster, it's all nuts. It's, it, you know, here, the reason I can do this is the agility is because we're new and we're continually crafting and juggling and doing things, you know, and we've got to be really cautious too to maintain and sustain that because it's very easy for a progressive or an alternate school to start to get caught in a doctrine or a dogma. And all of a sudden, you know, if you have a doctrine, you start to indoctrinate. If you've got a dogma, an ideology, all of a sudden you become an ideologue and all of a sudden you start saying, this is how we do it. You know? And so it's really, really important that the, the feedback loops and the authorities that are within the school are generated by the, the stakeholders, the kids have got to have a voice. They've got to have what they call student agency. You know, and that isn't just taking them to the student representative council and having two of the good kids say, yes, yes, we'll do that because I've seen that in action. I've seen schools where they, they make these great ideas and they force them on the kids in the SRC, the student representative council, and then all the kids are kind of caught under the legislation. So, you know, one of the things we're about to do, move forward to is student forums. You know, so when parents come to me and expect the adult to be to deal with something, imagine if you came to me with an issue such as bullying issue, because all schools have social you know, conflict, and, and it's a bullying issue, and you bring it to me, and I say, great, we're going to take that to the student forums. I'll do it anonymously, but I'll tell you what they come up with. All of a sudden, <laughs> you know, it's not like, what are you going to do? It's, oh, oh, okay, it's going to be open to a much bigger forum, and the kids are going to own it. Now, that is a really different way, because the parents are going to have to say, well, okay, so they really do have a voice. And that all of a sudden takes it away from where adult world is trying to dictate to the learner's world. So that's the next thing we're going to do. Oh, it sounds, even it here sounds you like talk this. about it, it sounds nearly unsettling, I imagine, for a parent coming in and going, what, what, you're not going to fix the problem? I can't hold you yeah. responsible. i got to leave it to my children and the, their peers to find an appropriate solution. It, it sounds very much like facilitating, like facilitating seems to be and being a, the caretaker, or I think you call yourself a conductor the conductor yeah. of kind of bringing forth the symphonic beauty and glory within children. Yes! Dun, dun, dun. Yeah! <laughs> well, I could be a lightning rod conductor too. And, and uh, I'm also a bus conductor. Oh, you know. good <laughs> one. That's so, nice. But, but yeah, you know, look, look, um, there are still boundaries. You know, this isn't just a big AS Neil, you know, ride your bike until you want to come in. Which, which is kind of the democratic model that he was looking at. He never called it democratic education, but he just said, you know, if a child doesn't want to come and learn, let's just let them come in when they want to. I'm saying, you know, we've got to teach them responsibility and respect, and we've got a system called VAST, which is really at the heart of everything I wanted to do, which is, you know, businesses talk about soft skills, um, you know, the soft skills that kids need to be in the world, and, and we're not seeing them from schooling. I don't call them soft. I call them universal. And so there's a model I have of a flower where there are three values you have to have to be part of a good community, part of the culture we're growing here, which is respect, responsibility, and positive, productive relationships. They're the roots. And then the, the, the actual stem of the flower is engagement. How do you get kids to be engaged? And then the leaves that actually photosynthesize and allow that capacity are attitudes so the attitude we explicitly teach confidence openness resilience excellence 
and then passion, patience, positivity, and perseverance. Now, those attitudes come from habits of mind, Art Costa's work and John Dewey's had, had these habits of mind. So, so we're looking at these attitudes, and then we want to teach the kids, like when I talk to you as an adult, it's the same. You know, confidence gets eaten away by arrogance and anxiety. So, you know, anxiety is a real pandemic that we have. So we've got to teach kids about not overthinking things, just trusting in things. Openness, you know, we've got to have kids to be open to new ideas and, and get rid of ageism, racism, sexism, all the isms. So we teach the, the, the capacity that at different times you might have greater confidence. I've seen kindergarten kids who have got the most confidence. And I see a year seven, year eight child, a middle to high school child who doesn't. So it's not like this constructive approach where it's on a staircase and you keep on getting more confident. So we've got to be able to see when that happens. And then we've got the petals of the flower, which we call the skills of success. Um, initiative or responsible risk-taking. Um, organization, you know, time management. Um, thinking skills, system one, system two, thinking, you know, intuition, and then rational thought, which is all about effort. So kids have to understand there's times when you're going to have to think hard, put effort in. Uh, questioning, thinking skills, uh, questioning, remembering how to remember things, how to practice the, the you know, 10,000 hours of, of, of real practice and review to improve talent. Collaboration, synthesis of information, communication, body language, as well as listening, as well as talking. And I'm not doing too well on that tonight, but <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the, the heart of everything on the model is creating. You know, and I'm really strong on this. If we can get kids to create something, to be creators, they're not owned by anyone. You know, this is the beauty, even if it's just a hobby, they own themselves, they own it. They have that sense of authority, which comes from authorship. So we have to allow kids to, to, to find that they can be creative and innovative and they can do things. And that's the beauty of, of the vast model. That's the values, the attitudes, the skills, and that's the capacity to have good attitudes, positive attitudes, and the capability to be able to develop and refine your skill sets. Wow. Like uh, one thing that comes up with me when I hear you talk is, I don't know if you ever watched the movie Dead Poet Society, you know, that sense of just, did you ever watch it? And Robin Williams yeah, plays the yeah, character. Yeah, on the this, desk. this incredible <laughs> charismatic teacher that everyone just went, wow, like I hear you speaking. It's like, John, can I come to your school, please? It really is. I, I keep thinking like, geez, this work is a gift. Like it really is. Like it sounds just so, makes sense. Like all the pieces yeah. make sense. And I guess the one thing which, which inhibits the current system moving to your system is your system sounds like a lot more work. Like it really does. It sounds like so much more work, you know, to set it up and get it going. It's a bit like any new culture. It takes, like even when you go back to bacterial to set up a new culture, it takes time to build, create the right a strong enough culture. And like, that's the challenges. Cause when you talk about all these bus trips and tours and can I draw an analogy? Even, for example, like we've been doing, we're starting a farm. We've been doing a lot of kind of, you know, talking about microbiologists or gastroenterologists yeah. and the importance of bacteria biodiversity yeah. being a strong ecosystem and the importance. And, you know, it was recently we were speaking to this lady, Helena, an amazing lady, and she spoke about the a lot of modern day education systems are monocultures. You know, yeah. kids are yeah. taught in the same age group. They're taught the same curriculum and it's very, you know, homogenous. Versus yeah. it sounds like your school is a lot more pluralistic, a lot more about diversity, a lot more about encouraging free thought and to actually really engage. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's how, to, how do we move our current system to where it encourages more of this diversity and this more sense of we as opposed to I thinking. Yeah, totally. This is, you know, it's really good talking to you because that's exactly it. You know, it's we, it's collaborative. You know, like you can do tests. There's nothing wrong with tests. I'll just give you an example and I'll come back to to respond as well that you know if you if you do a test in a class what commonly happens is you go in and you hand it back and someone says what grade they got or how well they did or what they've got to improve on and it's a very individualistic thing and it teaches people to be competitive and it teaches people that they can or can't do things but, you know what about just flip it like this you go in you hand back all the papers you say hey listen as a group some of us has done have got really good ability in these areas and some of us need support what are we going to do? 
what are we going to do as a class? If you're, if you're considering yourself to be smart, are you smart enough to be able to support someone who needs some help? Now, that just shifts everything. And all of a sudden, people see tests as an opportunity to collaborate and support each other and to teach. You know, why do we see teachers as adults who kind of sit with, at the front of the room? You know, every kid's a teacher. Every child should be teaching. So, so is it difficult? Yeah, look, it is, but it's, it's all about just failing forward. You know, if we believe in challenge, you know, the whole focus on the challenge-based learning is, you know, we've always had this Americanized view, and I don't, I don't want to be right or nationalistic around America, but, you know, you've got to break through the barrier, you know. The growth is going through the barrier and, and outside your comfort zone, and that's where you grow and all that sort of motivational sort of stuff. You know, my view is, no, you know, as you get closer to your comfort zone boundary, what are you going to feel? You're going to feel emotion. You're going to start feeling anxious. Then you're going to start feeling worried and stressed. And that's going to build to, to fear, real fear, where it's going to erupt in anger and then tears a lot of the time, yeah? And, and then what do you do? You retreat. You're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And you go right back. And that's brilliant because then it's about regret and it's about harnessing the regret and saying, let's have another crack at it. Let's go again. And that is grit. That's drive. And the actual growth is within. So making mistakes and having a go at something and it doesn't work is perfect because things will always grow from it. That's part of the evolution process. So, you know, our teachers will have a, have a go at things that won't always work. I know when to push and I know when to let, let sit for a bit. Because a lot of people in, in, you know, making a farm, it's about, I want to do this now. I've got to do this now. I've got to do it now. This is my time period things. Sometimes it's too controlled. We've just got to trust it will happen. And we, and we, we, we elongate and stretch the time. There's a really good Indonesian term which is called jam karat, which means rubber time. <laughs> it just, it stretches. And it doesn't mean you're not going to get there, but it means the process is just as important as the result. So seeing a kid on the bus, and, oh, well, here's an example. We're on the boat. We're, we're, we're on the boat. We're bringing the boat up. And all of a sudden it runs out of petrol. You know, the guys didn't check the petrol. And all of a sudden I'm the guy has to jump in my car, go and buy a jerry can, fill it up with fuel, go and meet the guy in his canoe and he paddles back and he fills it up and I'm going, oh, and I'm frustrated. Anyway, 45 minutes later, they ran out of petrol again. <laughs> I have to go again. So I'm like, oh. Anyway, the, the captain, the, the skipper, the old skipper said, man, how great was that? I'm going, what? Because I'm feeling tense. And he said, no. He said, that's amazing. Yeah? Having kids understand that mistakes and problems arise that, that things go wrong and that you work around it. It's, you know, that is so important in learning. And, and I went, yeah, that's, you know, that's true. So there's a learning for me that it's not about making things always perfect or getting them always right. It's actually allowing things to fall, to flop, to fail. Because in that process, you're actually learning so many more skill sets and, and attitudinal change and, and, and you're going to be building a capacity to manage when things don't go as planned. And I think sometimes we've, we've forgotten that. And, yeah, it's easy to go to a classroom with a textbook, turn to Chapter 5, look at the answers in the back. You know, that's easy. Is it fun? Is it enthralling? Is it engaging? Are you going home and saying, I had the best lesson? No. So, you know, I prefer to be teaching here. Oh, here, here. It's phenomenal. And it is like, can I, your, your work is kind of open source. It certainly was yeah. the stuff which I read earlier. Like, you know, if, if Stephen here and myself no, were interested in starting a little if, if possibly, education maybe. Definitely. Project. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, wait. But I just, can, can I finish can this? I, can I go? Can I go? Oh, go for it. Okay. okay, great. Okay, John, right. I do have a dream of starting a school. I give my daughter two years that I have to have a school. For anyone listening that's also inspired, and um, maybe it's not starting a school, maybe they're going to school. What are basic things that we could apply today to just to try to create more of this diverse, encouraging, inclusive, accepting the individual to think more like a we? Are there any things that we could start to do today or to anyone listening yes, that feels you know, inspired? Yeah. yeah, straight away, get into the school. See the school as part of your ownership too. Teachers have this tendency to think it's my world and they, they get pretty shy. 
you know, teachers are interesting people because they're quite shy. They lack a lot of confidence around adults. They're, they're good in the kids' world. Um, but, you know, go in and say, hey, I really want to teach about uh, microbiology. I want to show how to make um, bread. I, I want to go in. I want to cook a food. I wanna, we're going to make a pizza of it. You know, it's by bringing in and then pulling out, you know, and anyone can do it. And getting a school to be reconnecting with the community, I, I, I just see that that is so important because that is what we're trying to do. We're trying to build, you know, Ubuntu, the village raises a child. So, yeah, that's really simple. We, we can also hit um, holiday periods, you know. So holiday periods are great learning opportunities uh, where we can do activities and events and things. We've got to be careful we don't do what Elkin called the hurried child syndrome, where you got your tiger mums or, you know, they used to call them helicopter parents. Now they're black hawk parents because I'll shoot you down as well. Um, where, you know, where, where they're continually saying, we're going to do this now, this now, we overschedule. Yeah, overschedule. We've, we've got to just give opportunities to, to play. And unstructured play is as important, probably more important than a person's view on structured play. And, you know, I, I had this festival of learning I'm going to develop next year, which is going to unpack the whole thing. So it is open source. So we want to unpack the whole school, send it up into the ether, and then we'll curate and feed back into our school what we're doing, the good ideas that come for it, from it. But to start that, we had to have a big community camp. So, so I built this big community camp, and I've got kids that are running around and tripping in cow muck and kicking a ball in a paddock that's not a football field, but we've just slashed it and mowed it. So it's, you, know, you can run around in it, and I've got kids building mud huts and things like this, you know. And, and the parents are going, well, what are we going to do? I said, well, this is it. Yeah, this is really important. Let, let the kids just play for the time. And it, it was so creative and it was so intermixed and mingling and diverse and pluralistic. You know? It was so great. And it was just an opportunity of bringing kids of all ages together in a larger social structure. You know, that's what school is. School was originally, in the Greek term, leisure in the pursuit of knowledge, you know. So that is what school should be. And the Greeks have it right. Leisure in the pursuit of knowledge. I really like that. That's a nice mantra for an education. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Jeez, you're amazing, John. You really, yeah. really are. I, I, I have a feeling we'll be talking lots more to you. I, I, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> oh, happy. I could talk on. I like it. Like, yeah, I'm a chatterbox. I'm one of eight kids, you know. So there were four boys, four girls. Yeah, so I'm a big family guy. Jeez, that's, that sounds like what you're doing is phenomenal. We, really we look forward to visiting your school someday. Yeah, yeah. Well, Genuine. I haven't even told you the next bit. Yeah, we're going to have a boat in the building and a rainforest. So... Wow. Yeah, so I love doing crazy things. So I've got, I've, got, I've got a massive boat we're going to create as part of the school hall. Um, you know, you don't have to build buildings. You can just reapply, readapt. But imagine, imagine a boat that sits on its transom like that and then you've got your offices in three levels and so then there's, you know, little walkways and ladders into it. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. John, you're deadly. Really, really, I found that enlightening and inspiring. And where where do people find out more? It's it's um Lismore Living School. Yeah, it's just living.school. So if you look at living.school, you know, but um if you if you look, we've got our Facebook, social media, and Instagram account and things like that. And it's Living School Byron on Instagram and and that. But I saw you, I was showing my kids because we were gonna start in Byron Bay, it's just we didn't get there. Yeah, which is great. Um, but, you know, like, I don't market. I don't, I don't advertise or publicise. I don't think schools should be marketed. They're not, they're not businesses, you know. We're a not-for-profit. Everything we're doing here has been driven by me. And, and um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's going really well because we've got people who want to be part of it. Brilliant. Beautiful. You're brilliant. Genuinely. I'm, I'm right, enamored. Thanks, Yeah. 
Yeah, really, yeah. And I, I genuinely mean about starting a school in a couple of years, though. So I, I yeah, definitely be in touch if that's okay, Joe. We'll talk, we'll talk. Yeah, and and love... Sam, Sam sends his regards. He talked yeah, very, very right. Yeah, he yeah. really is. I had dinner with him last night and I was asking him, now, what should we talk to John about? And he was saying, well, I remember, I remember when I used to be bold, I'd do something bad and I'd have to go to like the principal's yeah. office, which was your office. And he said, like, sometimes I'd get the, like, the best nuggets of advice in my whole life. So it was like so worth it. Like I'd get this wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's then, a great guy, you know. And it's, it's, it's so funny seeing kids who you kind of educated or, or you were educated by. Sam educated me as well, um, you know, and see them grow and, and still have a connection. Like, yeah, really, he's, a, he's, he's such a nice, a good, a good man. Yeah, yeah which genuine. is what we want. Yeah, genuine. A gentleman. Genuine, yeah, yeah. Really. Oh, so, gentleman. So. yeah, thanks for your time, John. You're brilliant. Till next time. Thanks, John. Thanks so much. Have and a lovely evening. And we'll no let you know when we release this. Uh, no worries. Thanks, guys. Good to chat. That was an absolute gift. It really was. He, he is such an inspiring man. It I've, makes me want to go watch Dead Poets Society again because, like, as far as I could remember it, he was, like, just oh, Captain, charismatic. Like I wanted to go to his school. I know I finished school, but it's like... Uh, but I think I've genuinely got an excuse now to go visit Australia and uh, go visit John's school because if we're serious about starting a school, we need to go visit John's school. Yeah, it's something that uh, I liked the way John called us out. So you're putting it out there. You can't lightly put this out there. But it's been something that's been rattling, this is Steve here, rattling around in my mind for over a decade now. And, you know, something that I, and I kind of joked with my kids that I'd love to start a school, but the jokes are becoming more and more serious and they're laughing less. <laughs> so I'm quite excited. I want to talk to John definitely more about the practical aspect and practical but, application. But anyway, aside from our own personal stories, uh, thank you for your attention. Genuinely, we, we greatly appreciate it. We get so much out of um, doing these podcasts. And, and I hope you enjoyed listening to John. I found it fascinating. I had kind of not necessarily tied in the link between education and community and how they're just inter intertwined, interwoven, interwoven, yeah, interlinked. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, brilliant, really, really cool. He's uh, so a school in uh, Australia is called Lismore Living school. school. Yeah, it's just down from Byron Bay, uh, north of Sydney. Me um, and Dave will be starting next semester. Yeah, no, not quite. But uh, yeah, thanks for your support. Thanks for listening. Uh, let us know on social media if you enjoyed, and please share with other people. We're most grateful for it. And uh, this is part of our community series. We've got a number of episodes in this series, and we got some more super cool people coming along. Yeah, so um, let let us know. Here. Let us know. Um, any people that you think would be really important for us to talk to and that we should reach out to because we're loving this so incredible and thank you for all the feedback thus far anyway see you after and thanks a million bye cheers bye bye, bye. bye.